You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. We've been looking at the Psalms on our Wednesday evening study and on Sunday during our singing time. In our short lesson, we looked at Psalm, Psalms again. We looked at Psalm 21. And we said that Psalm 21 certainly seemed to make the most sense. And also, I think, give us the most encouragement as a living and active and operational affair today if we took that king to be Jesus and not just David. And to show that so oftentimes the words of Jesus, the position and place of Jesus, the office of Jesus is in the Psalms as speaking in first person. I said, well, let's just look at the first verse of the next psalm, Psalm 22, and that's where we are. And so tonight we're going to start looking at Psalm 22. Now, most of the psalms we looked at so far have been relatively short. And there's been one or two points that uh, uh, getting a framework of the psalm and an overview and the, the central idea of the psalm was most beneficial to us and not to go in a more detailed study. In Psalm 22, because of its length and because of its content, a little, little, not a lot, a little slower approach just has to be taken. Partly because we've got um, 31 verses. So it's bigger than the Psalms we've looked at before. But also that there are three distinct sections of this Psalm And their content regarding Christ is so deep and so rich and so detailed that a summary or cursory study only would not do it justice. I've often said that if Psalm 22, in nearly its entirety, were placed in one of the Gospels, we would not think it odd. And if we didn't know it was from the time of David, 900 years before Christ, then we would think it history written by eyewitnesses such as the Apostle John was at the crucifixion and others were too, of the, of the event rather than prophecy about it. And so we're going to take this Psalm 22 in three parts. Here's our three parts. Um, turns out I did have a lesson that I taught on Psalm 22. I hadn't realized it was eight years ago. So it's been a while, but we'll go back there. So verses 1 to 10, a cry to my God. Then verses 11 to 21, the events of the cross. And then 22 to the end, a foretaste there of deliverance. In each one of these sections, There is a quotation well known in the New Testament. We start in verse 1, which is the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoted in Matthew and Mark. In the second section in verse 18, we have the statement of they cast lots for my clothes, which I believe is the only prophecy directly quoted in all four Gospels. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all have these words and say this prophecy was fulfilled in this act. It is such a notable and clear act and clear prophecy. And I want, I just, well, we'll talk about this more next time when we're on that section. I just marvel when people in the synagogues, having found out what happened at the crucifixion of Jesus, the next time this song came up in the song rotation, did they just all just stop and go, ah, oh, that was there all along? Wow. We're singing about what happened. We're singing about what he said. And then in the last section, there's a quotation that's uh, pulled and used in uh, Hebrews chapter 2 about Jesus uh, victorious over death after the resurrection, being in the midst of the congregation, singing praise to God. So each one of these three sections has has a quotation in it in the New Testament. As we mentioned before, the book of Psalms has more quotations from it in the New Testament than any other single book. All right, so uh, verse 22, or excuse me, chapter 22, and we're going to look there in verses uh, 1 to 10, 1 to 10, starting with the familiar words from the Gospels. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God. I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night I have no rest. Man, think about the, the night in Gethsemane. Think about the day on the cross. Think about the prayers of Jesus on that day. That if it could be done without this that he was undergoing, if there's any other way, but it was not. And so he stood for our sake, for a time, forsaken by God. And what a torment it was to him. And how lightly and how joyously at times we live forsaking God and being so separate, but agony to our Savior. Yet, yet, verse 3, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Isn't that our hope as well? That we trust in him, we cry to him, they'll be rescued and not put into shame. But I, verse 6, am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Every now and again I've run across a brother who, objecting to a few of the words in Amazing Grace, where it says, such a worm as I, go, I'm not a worm. Our Savior counted himself in that condition for our sake. This is where we are when we are in sin and when he was treated as though he had sin, becoming sin on our account, Paul would tell the Corinthians. And he was scorned. He was despised. And verse 7, just picture the gospel scenes of the crucifixion. All who see me mock me. They, they make their mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. It paraphrases very closely. Closer than the NIV in some places to the real scripture. 
It, it paraphrases very closely the words of the unbelievers and the scoffers. I wonder if they realize later, the next time that this song came up in their synagogue song rotation, oh, that's what we just said. We, we said those words. Oh, boy. I wonder, did that, did that ever dawn on any of them? They can sing the songs of their hymn book and realize they come under the condemnation of God by the thing they've been singing all their life. Yet you who, yet you are he who took me from the womb and you made me trust at my mother's breast. On you I cast, I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb you have been my God. So that should be true of us all. Of no one was it ever truer than of Jesus. Well, here we have the agony of one who was so close to God, yet because of sin, for our sake, taking on sin, became separated from God and became so mocked and so despised. And now, in our next section next time, we'll have the details of how he was put to death and how he was treated on the cross. Again, I can't help but think, here are these people who've been singing this hymn from their hymn book. Let's all turn to Psalm 22 today. And What did they do the next time? And the time after that, when in the song rotation, that song came up in the synagogues of Jerusalem. And we can see why Christians took fulfilled prophecy. It's such a strong argument for belief in their own hearts and used it as such a, as an uh, uh, evangelical tool to spread the good news to others because these prophecies are here in this detail and then fulfilled centuries later just outside their city by their Messiah who at that time they had not recognized and so he accomplished God's purpose for us in dying for our sins under their rejection and yet at the same time offering them through him a way back to God and offering that same opportunity for us all. If we accept this gospel, believe it, united in our hearts with faith and then come to follow the instructions that come with it to repent of sins, confess his name, to be baptized and then live like he's the Messiah of God who instructs us and is our master and we're his disciple. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available online at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.